0: In my last newsletter piece, I talked about how customers and community aren't the same thing. I'll have a link to the article in the show notes. My inspiration for that article was a tweet from the team at Coffee Black regarding their IRL coffee space, the Anti-Gentrification Coffee Club. With that fresh in my mind, I decided to pull this episode from the archives. It aired in July of 2020, so you can learn more about Coffee Black and its founders Renata Henderson and Bartholomew Jones. This re-air is a little bit longer than most recent Boss Barista episodes, so I just want to jump right in. But I also want to promote two projects from Coffee Black first, since you won't hear about them in the re-air since it's from the archives. One is a limited edition sneaker that they've released to fund a cross-global coffee exchange, and the other is a documentary the team made released in March of 2022. You can find links to all of those in the show notes. You can also find links to those at the newsletter, bossbarista.substack.com. You can watch the documentary by joining Patreon and just keep an eye on their Instagram account for tour dates to watch the documentary. Here we go. Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I'm honored to have two guests on the show today, Bartholomew Jones and Renata Henderson of Coffee Black. To say that Coffee Black is a coffee roasting company is an understatement. Coffee Black is a brand, an educational platform, a music outlet, an informative podcast, connecting the ancestral history of coffee to modern day. Renata and Bartholomew, who are married and raising two children in Memphis, didn't just aim to start a business, but set off on a mission to impact social change. The coffee plant was stolen from Africa in 1616 by two Dutch spies. Three years later, the first stolen black bodies landed in Jamestown, Virginia. These two sentences are written on the back of each bag of Guji Main, an Ethiopian coffee from the Sadama region that Coffee Black sells on their website. In this episode, we talk a lot about intent, history, and self-knowledge. Both Renata and Bartholomew tie their own personal histories and the colonial history of coffee to the current state of the industry, and they challenge how we view and consume coffee today. For so many people, the memories of coffee they have growing up, as an occasion to gather with family and share stories, doesn't match up with what the specialty coffee landscape actually looks like. This episode is about making connections. Both the tangible, like what does it mean when the specialty coffee industry doesn't reflect the experience of its members, in particular, black people from whom coffee was stolen from, and abstract connections, like how identity and life experience manifest in the art and creative endeavors that we take on. Coffee Black is a creative enterprise, and much of that energy comes from the connection and freedom of expression that Renata and Bartholomew have made together. So here's our conversation.
1: I didn't know if we needed to press anything, but that's cool. We're
2: live.
0: Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're live. We're here. We're doing it. Uh, Can I have both of you introduce
2: yourselves? Yeah. Yes. So I am Renata Henderson. I don't have any cool stage names like my husband, Um, but I do, um, by day, I work with uh, early childhood centers and train and families, um, and by any other time of the day, I do calligraphy. Um, I go by brown girl lettering. I am on Instagram. I have a website, but it needs some work, so don't go to it. (laughs) Um, uh, So yeah, that's me.
1: Okay, dope. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, Bartholomew Jones. Uh, that's my that's my preferred name. Um and renata is my wife and I, I consider myself the co founder of Coffee Black. My wife founded it with me. She's the first one that ever she was our first investor. She bought uh my first espresso machine, the first yes. Christmas of our wedding. Um
2: I invested when we first met too, we can get back to that. Yeah, we can talk it about that. It was a uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, Yeah, let's talk
0: about that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's go back well let's finish your introduction
1: oh yeah so i'm a i'm an educator i'm an MC, and i'm a coffee nerd um and so uh yeah i, I really just am excited and passionate about um, coffee as a means for like eradicating poverty and creating general generational wealth in um, black families in the diaspora so yeah that's so, what that's what i'm excited about doing
0: that's awesome um I'm actually really excited. It, it seems silly to like say these things while we're on air because we've like spent 20 minutes talking before we even pressed record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like the need to express how excited I am to talk to both of you because I've been listening to the Coffee Black podcast. Um, And it's one of the only podcasts I've listened to more than once that I've had to rewind and be like, wait a minute, hold on, let me write this down. Um, Because there's so much like good information in there that I don't think it's talked about a lot in coffee. And we'll we'll talk about that definitely. But I want to go back to what uh, Bartholomew, you said earlier about how Renato is kind of like your first investor. Um, So let's let's talk a little bit about how you two met and how. You two coming together kind of inspired Coffee Black or at least helped uh, launch launch this brand for you.
1: Yes. Um, so you want to go first or I want to go first?
2: I don't know. I- it, whatever we do, it has to be abbreviated. Okay. So we told the story the other day, and literally <laughs> it took three hours, and I don't think you have space for a three-hour podcast. Yes. <laughs> we could just so, do
0: like this in like stages. Like we'll just drop yeah. A whole it's
2: going to have like bases, like yep. first base, second base. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, long story short, long long story short, <laughs> I met Renata at my first hip hop show after graduating from college. Yeah. Um. And we met, I did my performance. We had both just gotten out of like really uh, kind of toxic relationships. And we're in that stage where people of faith kind of get into where they're like, I just want to focus on God. I don't want to date anyone. Like, I just need to... Well, he was
2: there. I think I was...
1: Okay, so she wasn't there. I was definitely (laughs) like, I just want to focus on God. I was like, I
2: want to focus on God with a man. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I was like, I want to focus on God. I just graduated, just moved back to Memphis. So I was really big on, like, I wanted to change my communities through education and uh, through the arts because I was a hip hop artist. And so that was kind of my big focus. But um, when we got off stage, um, she ended up coming up and talking to me. And I don't really remember exactly what we talked
2: about. Uh, I don't, yeah, no, I don't remember exactly, but he had these download cards yes. that he had made and he was selling. And I really, I was just trying to get a foot in the door. I just wanted to talk to him. And so, you know, he showed me the card and I was like, yeah, how much I need? And he was like a dollar. And I was like, okay, cool. I only have a five. And uh, so he said, yeah, I'll, I'll take the five. Yeah. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I'll take my change. Like, and so to this day, like seven, was that seven years ago? Seven years later, he has not. Pay me my four dollars. Oh let it be put on record. <laughs> but yeah, that
1: that definitely was, you know, that was was the first investment. Yeah, that was she. So she those four dollars. The that was
2: first investment.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> four dollars right
0: are what launched this brand.
1: Yes, definitely. But no, <laughs> was
2: a scene, money. she
1: would always. She just made me feel. So one thing you got to know about growing up in, um, I get growing up in the hood is that coffee is normal. Like, coffee is normal. It's a ritual to be able to, like, be able to drink it. Um, And Mama's Brew talked about this, too, right? Where it's, like, being able to drink coffee is, like, almost like a sign of moving out of childhood. So it's a part of our community. My my wife's family has a beautiful story about their connection with coffee and legacy and all of that. But for us, it's one of those things where, like, coffee shops were were very much so, like, white things. You know what I mean? Um, so a coffee shop was very much so different than, um, going to a, uh, like just going to your house and drinking some fultures. So coffee shops were kind of like a weird space where I always felt like, like the weird black guy in there, um, because there just weren't other black people. But my wife, Renata, has always been, um, just this big person who normalized being black in coffee spaces for me. So like our first date, I had been going to all these coffee shops. And at the time I was very excited about, um, going to coffee shops and have, trying to figure out who had the best espresso, uh, specifically who had the best lattes with no flavoring. Cause I was excited that I could like drink lattes with no flavoring. And so I, our first date, like she emailed me, we ended up talking back and forth and I was like, Hey, do you like coffee? Uh, and she said yes. And um, I was like, yo, I know a spot that has the best lattes in town, which I would never take anybody to that spot now. I'm so ashamed <laughs> that I thought that was good espresso. not even I'm, say the name. No, don't say the name. <laughs> but it, to me, her saying as a Black woman saying, yes, I'll go here with you. Yes, I'll experiment with, in this with you. Yes, I'll try this weird thing that you're into made me feel like it was okay to be Black in that space. and. She's just done that our whole marriage. Like there's like if, there, if we're not, I wasn't there like saying yes and like telling me that I'm not crazy. And like like normalizing these things. Even before I knew coffee was historically black, like my wife made it relationally black. You know what I mean? She made it safe to be black and like coffee, even if it was just like me and her you know like she never criticized me or questioned me or made me feel and that's a that's a thing cuz it was like kind of socially deviant to be really but i've always been a weirdo you know, but like as a kid, you know, but like my wife made it so normal. And so like from there... The yeah, he, fest- was,
2: he was wearing a trench coat when we met and it was this like July.
1: I was like really in my like indie <laughs> rapper bag. Like I was skinny, I thought then. it was so
2: cute. I was like, well, <laughs> this guy is a cutie. Yes, I was like all
1: the way in my like weird indie, you know,
2: blog yeah, rap excusing. bag.
1: Yeah. It was like trench coats and backpacks and boots. Committed. And, <laughs> I, I don't know. Brid- um,
0: Brid- Where do you think that that comes from, that like ability to like create comfort in a situation that could like potentially be uncomfortable? Like you mentioned, like by yourself, you were like, I'm not going to do this. But together, you're able to kind of create that sense of like, this is where I'm going to go here because this is where I want to go.
1: Well, I think for me, I was willing to do it like I was doing it, but I didn't feel like it was black, if that makes sense. Like to me, it felt like me doing a weird thing that black people don't do. But when my wife and she can speak to what it is about her that gave her like a more inclusive vision of blackness. But when my wife said, yes, I'll do this with you, it made me feel like, oh, this could be a community thing. It's not just something that weird, you know, Maurice likes.
2: And so, I mean, kind of to preface the whole like four dollars incident, like when I met him, he was a breath of fresh air and so compared to some of the polluted air i had been breathing before and so to meet him and to hear like these were the things that he was invested in he was committed to i was automatically in um and i because those were the things that made him him and so for me i mean it it, it kind of comes from like how i was raised my mom was always a big like whatever I wanted to pursue. She was behind it. She was a cheer, like the biggest cheerleader in my entire life. And so, you know, I definitely learned that from, from her, but also just like understanding, like, this is what comes with him. And it's like a great package. It's not just like, you know, he's not just like saying, Hey girl, I'll give you the world. Just, just, you know, like just coming with empty promises and, um, I don't know, just like this this lame persona, but he was very much so a person of substance, and I was just like, man, like I I want to invest in whatever makes you you, and so it made it easy. I was like, of course. I mean, and and he at the same time invested in things at the time. I mean, and I still am. I think I actually am more now interested in um, directing. Oh yeah, we doing, got a music
1: video dropping. Yeah, tomorrow. we got That's a music great.
2: video dropping tomorrow that that we both kind of yeah. co-filmed, co-directed. Um, but I was totally into just like playwriting and directing and all that kind of stuff. And um, and he was very much so interested in that. And so on our first date, he uh, pulled out his phone and turned on the song and said, hey, so what what would you do to this song? Like, what, what kind of uh, video would you make from this song? And so we just kind of sat there and just like, dream together and that was I mean that was our first time really talking to each other like talking talking and it was great because it was somebody who could dream with me and so I think we both have been in a place since we've been dating been in a place where we've been free to dream and it makes you know it makes the things that we pursue that much more like worth it you know because it's like you know you have permission from the other person to do that like you and you don't even need the permission like that's just the standard like we dream you know we we are dreamers that's just what we do so
0: that's pretty powerful to be in a in a marriage having this life that you've built for your like the for the two of you and then having a family and then being able to also be like let's also put our creative pursuits in this together um i've worked for a lot of coffee shops where the owners are married and that is never good um so, but 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 it's so powerful to hear you two talk about like what about the two of you feeds into each other's like ability to dream and to pursue really interesting, like creative endeavors. Um and I think that speaks a lot to the intentionality behind Coffee Black, which I want to get into in a moment. Um, but Renata, I want to talk a little bit about um your relationship with coffee and kind of how you grew up understanding coffee in your life.
2: So my biggest relationship with coffee was with my grandfather. So my maternal grandfather, and he drank coffee every day. I don't remember not seeing him drink coffee. Um, And I learned recently as an adult that he had like a thermos that he would take with him to work. And he worked, he was actually a sanitation worker, um, which is, I'll, I'll get to that part of the story as well. But like he worked there and then he worked with, um, there's a utility company that's a, a huge monopoly here in Memphis called MLGNW, and w um, And he worked there as well, which for that time frame was actually a, a good accomplishment for his family financially. But I, from my earliest remembrance of coffee, um, he would always have a cup of coffee that was completely white, like <laughs> come, all the sugar, all the cream. OK, not <laughs> coffee black at all. Um And I would just look at it. I would just be just smelling the the flavors wafting up to my nose. And I'm just like, can I have some of it? And every, like every, every day, he would give me a sip of his coffee, <laughs> um, which is funny because you always hear, you know, how like in black culture, it's like coffee, coffee gonna stunt your growth. Yes, yeah, it make you co- short. Yeah. Make it, it'll either make you short or make you black, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there was always this fear in the back of my mind that I would be short, which I'm not sure about <laughs> and a half. Short
1: and real black. And <laughs> I'll
2: be a little, I guess a little raisin person or something, but um yeah, he will always let me try it. And it was never like it was never a weird thing. Like and I, I feel like my dad drank coffee for a little bit, um, because he, he always worked night shifts. And so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't ever like this weird thing. I will say, as I've gotten older, um it, the the experience as a black woman in, in specifically in coffee spaces is way different from experiencing that with my grandfather. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. It's not as pleasant. Like people don't offer you, you know, offer you sips of their finest uh, lattes or their finest, you know, pour overs or whatever. Um, it's very much so. If, if you come in, who do you know, who are you with? Like, yeah. if I'm with my husband, people sometimes acknowledge my presence. Oh, we have the
1: check folks, though. and
2: he definitely because for me, I a little bit about me, I don't. I don't feel the need ever to prove myself. So if anybody ever asks me something, I will answer. But you're never going to see me walking into a into a room like forcing people to see me because I don't. I believe if you are something, you don't ever have to tell somebody. Like if you're in my mind, if you're a sophisticated person or if you're intelligent, you don't ever have to say out loud, "I am intelligent" or "I," you know, yeah. "I am valuable" because you are. It's just who you are, and so. With that belief in mind, I'm not going to walk in and beg somebody to talk to me. Mm. So, for me, my experience has been, okay, I'm going in here. You're not saying anything. You don't you don't get my presence. Like, yeah. you lose that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and it's been, I mean, but it makes for an experience where it's not united. Like, we don't get to experience it together for mm. a while. He would say, hey, you want to go in? I'm like, no. Yes, you would I- go. <laughs> and I was like, no, I want to go in there. I didn't go. Are they going to say something to me this time? Yeah, that like
1: people just wouldn't even speak. People just
2: wouldn't speak or they would come straight up to him and have a conversation. And, you know, I'm just standing there. And there were t- there were so many times where if I'm standing here and you guys are having a conversation, I would just walk away. I mean, because <laughs> again, and I'm not, and I know there are certain, like, there are other types of women who probably would be like, well, just say something. And I, yeah, I get it. But for me, just like choosing which battles i'm gonna fight and that's not one of them yeah. um or it, i guess it wasn't because we definitely have had some conversations since
1: then we i've just had to like literally tell people hey this is my wife or not hey
2: it this is speak. a person
1: like like yeah. like <laughs> in the middle of a conversation be like yo you didn't speak to my wife
2: yeah. <laughs> to the point now that some people awkwardly are like, hey, Renata, how, how are you doing today? Which is a you whole know, like, other problem. It's a whole other conversation because there's <laughs> this fear that I'm going to just like go off on them, which is very possible. But <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know where, where my attitude may take me. I'm very much so an angry black woman, but I am. And people, I was like, I don't want to be there. I'm like, why? You right. can be angry, Come on but you're, I'm not a perpetually a angry black woman, <laughs> yeah. but I'm an angry black woman. I'm a happy black woman. I'm a sad, you know? So anyway, yeah, I think it's just been such an interesting world because it's very much so, you know, how, you know, how there's the whole James Brown, uh, the James Brown songs, A Man's World. Um, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl, which is hilarious. That's, that song has always <laughs> been funny to me, but like that's how coffee feels to me. Yeah, it's yeah. very so. Like this is a this is a coffee man's world, which wow. is a whole different. You know, it's like coffee nerds and snobs. It's like yeah. y'all y'all realize y'all are like really lame yeah (laughs) yeah no i'm kind of nerdy but you got your own world i appreciate it but that doesn't mean you can like write somebody out like you're doing the same thing you know so um, yeah so all they say like it has been it's been a journey from from sharing you know that 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 full of sugar full of cream coffee with my granddaddy to like these third wave shops that claim to be you know the best. Inclusive. Inclusive. You know, we're about all these different people's rights, but you don't treat those people, you know, you don't treat those people like you are. So, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting journey. I think we're now at, like, I'm at a place where I don't immediately get annoyed when he says, hey, I would like to go to a coffee shop for a date. Yeah. You know, I'm finally at a place where I don't get triggered and I don't because, like I said, like, there are some people that I'm just, like, and I think I said something to one guy like, so d- were you going to say anything to me? I can't remember what it was or, but it was just kind of like, you know, or if I go in and I ask for something for, for like, because I generally, at this point, I can't drink coffee because I'm getting old. And so it makes my heart palpitate. <laughs> yeah. Old and fine though. I was like, I don't know how. I was I'll supposed to like- say, I think the two of you are younger than me. So. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, but um, um, if you are close to my age, you can relate. That after yeah, that, it's like,
1: It just kind after of starts
2: yeah. But so yeah, whenever I go to get him things, I have to validate it by saying, "Oh yeah, I'm getting this for Bart." Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just at a point where I'm like, "No, I'm not going to do that." Right. You gonna remember me? You know?
1: I'm yeah. Just... And then the other problem, where then people start trying to overcompensate, because like I right. literally, can we curse on this? you (laughs) can can
0: say whatever you want
1: yeah so it's not crazy anyway i just be having the check niggas like yo like you gonna speak to my wife and then people overcompensate and then they try to be her best friend which is another like that's if you know my wife she's like i don't really know you like that i just wanted you to speak you don't please don't come over here and talk to me for 20 minutes about espresso extraction or like the latest beyonce album, like i don't want to talk to you about that you know but it's i feel like people don't know how to interact with black women especially in coffee shops like people don't
2: know what to do so it's like being at a safari like on a safari and you encounter a lion that is dangerously close to your vehicle that you're in and you're trying to figure out Do we drive away or do we stay calm and drive away? (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel like when I'm in there, like, oh, my gosh, there's an exotic animal. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's annoying. And I think, like I said, like these conversations that we've had and then there's some like one shop that my husband worked at, like there was never an issue. Like, oh, yeah, they, were cool. they were super cool. It was But they were skaters though. I was like it was a coffee slash skater shop yeah. and everybody was like super chill, just yeah. like very respectful. You
1: did come in there a lot. And I, I came just, in
2: there I a lot because there. people were very just, just respectful. Normal. Yeah, they like, just it were-
1: wasn't People were humans before they were like
2: before they were yeah even in the skater, like in there in the space for skaters, like nobody ever looked at I took the boys in there to watch them on the ramps, and nobody would ever look at us like we didn't belong like yeah. ever they would always be like and even one one point, there was a guy who was like you guys might want to go cause they had music blasting and it was, they had like, cause words in it and one guy was like, you might want to go into, into like this room that's back here at soundproof, you know, like actually yeah. looking out for us, which is yeah. a whole different level, you know? So.
0: Yeah. I feel like you, you, you said so many interesting things in that, um in that story you told. And there are two that I kind of want to talk about. Um, The first one being that. Like you both co-own this business together and yet People are talking to Bart maybe more than they are to you, Renata. Um, mm-hmm. which is like a real thing that happens. Like I I my partner is a coffee professional as well. And so mm-hmm. often, like not to not to put him on blast, but like I'm smarter than he is. Um, and so sometimes <laughs> I'm like, Why are you talking to him? Like
2: <laughs> So had I mean, somebody- Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, for us it's less about it's established, which is smarter, okay? there's, there's not a conversation. Yeah, my wife is definitely smarter. Okay, yeah. But <laughs> um, I think we've kind of hit a flow. It's less of like who's on the front. Because for me, a couple of things, like I like doing design. I do design for our coffee bags, for our apparel, things like that. I mean, like whatever you see on social media, like yeah. if mm-hmm. you see it, I did it um with the exception of maybe a couple designs if
1: it's, it's a helvetica font yeah if it's I him, got one <laughs>
2: <font. If> it's <laughs> helvetica, he did it yeah. if it's anything, anything a else. little bit more creative yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even just slightly more creative it's probably me yeah um so I, I i do that and then i like to do like behind the scenes so since we've had um since we've had kind of, like, a, a an uptick in, in sales and all that, um, I've definitely been on fulfillment, uh, uh, like, customer service, human resources, which yeah. is a whole new world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a different thing. And then I also saying I just remembered that.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So, she does so many. Yeah. Why is she teaching me how to sing? So, like, any, know. like, coffee black music you hear where I'm singing? It's generally my wife coaching me. Any, any <laughs> like, harmonies or – like, any other melodic work that's had, like, Renata does up. And she does a lot of songwriting, too. People yeah, don't know that, yeah, yeah. but, like, I don't... I We write songs together. Like, I never really finish yeah. it. Because whenever I write, I freestyle. So then I just go to her and be like, was this good? What should we change? Well,
2: because, yeah. So, I mean, really, the flow that we kind of hit is, like, Bart is, like, the face. If <laughs> yeah. And he like... I mean, because I'm not going to take away the fact that he's got words. So, like, this man... When we met, like the way he proposed to me, if I can go on a slight rabbit trail, very slight, I was teaching at a school, he came up, there's so much more context to this, but we were in an auditorium and he started like freestyling about questions, this whole like, um, this idea that questions um, show the vulnerable side of you. And like, when you ask a question, you're really placing yourself in the position to be truly seen by this person because you're saying things that you don't, you may or may not know. And I, like, I don't know, something that was deep. And I was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> and you know, he just made this whole long like monologue. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was, um, what, what, what is it called?
1: I feel the monologue, oh,
2: okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm blinging out. Um, uh, mom brain. But, um, so he goes in this long thing and then like he gets something out of his backpack and jumps down, to where I was in the, in the, in the audience. I'm the only person, um, (laughs) only person. This was during, during parent teacher conferences, might I add. So I don't know if there were parents in my room, but, um, he jumps down and gets down on both knees and says, "Will you marry me. And I was like, are you for real? I thought you, wait, are you serious? You know, I was like, I thought you were just doing one of your normal, like. random crazy <laughs> random man. you know so he's got the words and i'm completely fine with that and i think for him as far as as it pertains to coffee talk to talk to bart yes um as far as it pertains to like even like well i definitely coffee i think we've had a lot of opportunities recently to talk about um just racial injustices and like yeah. you know kind of some systemic uh things that that have been more on the front lines uh here in mm-hmm. America recently and these are those are things we talk about literally all the time like uh, right. um, my um to go back to the conversation about my grandfather, so he was a sanitation worker during uh the sanitation strike of nineteen sixty three and so he went when Dr. King heard about the strike, he came down um, and joined in the efforts with them. And um, that's been like a really big part of my family heritage. And family's huge. Like family is number one for me. Like that's, that's a big deal for me. When I met Bart, it was just like, uh, this is this is top priority. It was understood by both of us, like yeah. this is, you know, family's priority. And so we were passed down this heritage, like we did protests literally our entire lives. We were celebrating, we've been celebrating Juneteenth since we were like seven or eight. Like mm-hmm. you know, we did we did Kwanzaa when we were younger, like all that type those types of things that are now considered quote unquote woke, but it's just part of, you know, it's just a part of who you are. And I, I think my grandfather was a huge part of that uh instilling that in his family and so you know for for us um that's something that I love to get a chance to talk about um and my husband and I really get like when we're when we're talking about it you can kind of you get a chance to kind of get a peek into like um like where that rooted where that was rooted and kind of like how that's impacting the ways that we're take the direction that we're moving our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the values that we're building based off of that, and so yeah, that's that. That's why you know if you're gonna hear, and I also just prefer not to be in
1: front of camera. Like she would just be going <laughs> off with like she. I, my wife is someone who I just feel like speaking to her is a privilege, and she would be she be, she's so annoyed by so many I get, people in coffee. Okay.
2: <laughs> I'm just annoyed in general. I went up yeah. on a police officer one time. Yes, I was like, "Baby, gonna die." It Baby, was. Gonna die. I. Aww. But he, it was just something random, and I sometimes. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Technical <laughs> difficulties. Sometimes I don't know what may come out of my mouth because I can be super chill. Like I'm super chill, but if if I feel triggered or if I feel like attacked, like I've like just this is something that's very important to me and so if I feel attacked or I feel like somebody is being you know unjustly attacked or targeted I I, there's no stopping me (laughs) there's there's no stopping me
0: it's interesting to hear like how something that I'd never connected with and like this is maybe a little bit um going backwards on something you said earlier was this idea that in a lot of cultures that like coffee is just like so much part of like your existence. You're growing up. And I say this, um, even for myself, like I'm, I'm Cuban. So like coffee is everywhere in my family. And even thinking about like bringing my grandfather, I, I, Bring my grandfather to like a specialty coffee shop. I'd be like, he he would have no fucking clue like what's going on here because right. this is not tailored for him. And yet, coffee like coffee is such a rite of passage for me for growing up. Like, same thing. Like the first taste you get of coffee is like you as an adult. And I was definitely told for a long time if I drank coffee, it would stunt my growth. Which I'm five <laughs> eight, so come um, from? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's 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 good to hear that it's like a thing that apparently oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> It's a thing we all know, Um, but I think that's that's so interesting that like so much of like the way that we consume coffee isn't reflected in the way that we actually like project coffee on like the specialty side. So, like at what point, like at what point did you take all these experiences and decide like okay, like we're we're making a coffee brand, like this is what we're doing?
1: Hmm. Uh, Well, I think for me those experiences with my wife, I, like, they were, they were, were kind of happening at the same time yeah. as me. Like, I, like for me, I've always been just, like, odd. So, like, being really into, you know, things that just weren't normal to be into in my neighborhood. And I guess, like, I would, like my homies in college used to call me, like, the hood hipster. Uh, and so, like, like, contextually, like, I definitely grew up in Memphis and in the hood in Memphis, but also was just on a regular basis would be, like, off doing things that other people aren't doing for multiple reasons. Number one is like the things that other people are doing, like a lot of times could lead to you dying. And I wasn't like my well, one, my mama won't want to let me do that, and right. <laughs> and then two, um, I personally was like, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to participate in this. Um, and then secondly, I think this just kind of how I'm created, like this is how God made me is like just a weird person. Um, and I think it took somebody like my wife to be like, you know what, you might have something going on, like that actually might be worth like, investing in. Um, so my weird obsession with coffee, I think meeting my wife, God bringing us together, was really more, it turning into, like, a weird specific interest of mine to, like, now this is a part, this is reconnecting specialty coffee back to a family and then back to a community of families <laughs> and then back to a larger, like, race and ethnic group, right? And a, a social political group um and connecting coffee's well-being to all those things so the resources and the experiencing experiences i was having in coffee much like when i went to college like i realized like why wow, there's this wealth of resources and experiences over here that are not present um in my com- in my family in my in my neighborhood and in my larger community and ethnic group and so i was like Yo, why is that you know why is there this dissonance between these things and as we you know did research we came upon you know kind of like the well known fact that at this point that coffee is black right it comes from a black nation and then it was proliferated into many black it was proliferated into many black and brown communities uh through colonialism and so like then i realized okay for what what me my wife and i both know about how racism works how colonialism works is that It dehumanizes things, it strips identity away from things and then recasts them or whitewashes them as indigenous to the colonizer's culture or anything valuable becomes synonymous with the culture of the colonizer. And so then, therefore, it causes the indigenous people to see a dissonance between themselves and their own resources. (laughs) Right. And so, like, we're like seeing a dissonance between ourselves and coffee. You know, even to the point to where we say don't drink too much coffee, it'll make you black. You know what I mean? It'll literally make your skin darker, which we also internalize this idea of it being bad. So like for us, these things obviously are are, 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 uh, idiosyncrasies that need to be rectified. And so we're like, we got to like there has to be something we can do about this. And so in my own identity and in our own family, in our family unit, we have seen coffee become very uh normalized because I'm a rapper, because my wife's singer, because we're both educators, because we're both people of faith, because we're both in our actual community, we moved into the hood together. We talked about that on our first day too. I was like, look, we ain't gonna have no big house. I wanna move in the hood and do work. She was like, Oh yeah, I already planned on doing that. Uh again, so like my I'm wife is me. Uh, <laughs> she was like, I'm already doing that. Um, <laughs> so like I thought I had found this really cool idea. But like so like we're it was a part of our integral as we're like mentoring young black and black women and black and brown women and black and brown men and discipling people and like raising our children and working on education reform. We're making pour overs at the house and well, I'm making pour overs and trying to convince my wife to drink the pour over. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you taste these notes? Um, and yeah, I'm I, at the same time as like I'm recording raps in my house and listening to the new Kendrick Lamar album, and like all these things are happening in the same space, and it's like wow, this is really beautiful. What if we could proliferate this on in other households and in other spaces in our community where it's not something that has to be seen from the colonizers' lens but something that can be reclaimed and then reintroduced back just as a part of our life. Yeah,
2: as what it actually is. As what
1: it actually is and what it should be. And I think be, be, my wife touched on something really beautiful. She was like, our our marriage has been built on dreaming. I think Renata, even at that show, I'm at this show trying to like get my little dream out. I'm trying to like live my life as a, as a weird indie rapper in the middle of a city that has a ton of like gangster rap and also trying to like Get my little gangster rap vibe on in the middle of a bunch of weird hipsters who are like, we don't really get, you know, what's going on with this dude either. Like, why is he kind of, why is he so aggressive? So like, and my wife sees that and gives me room and permission to do that. And then that is initiates a, a cycle where we do this for each other. And this is the, and the reason why we do this, because at the end of the day, we both, this is the experience we have with our creator, with God, is that he's giving us permission to be who we were meant to be and not to have to conform to other people's quote unquote sugar and cream. You know what I mean? And so just having the notes we have and being celebrated for those. And so, like,
2: go ahead, Beth. I mean, in that, when you create, it's i always think of being made with purpose i know some people are of the thought that you know there is no purpose there is i mean which they're entitled to that Um, but i think in creating and in having a creator uh the purpose that we're made with is what we should therefore make with so like we are there, we are made with purpose, so we should therefore make with purpose. And so the things that we do, the conversations that we have, uh, the art that we uh, take part in uh, and create should have purpose and have a deep meaning um, and, and build into the identity of the people that uh, that it is for.
1: Yeah, and, and I think specifically <clears throat> you saw we touched on this earlier, but having a why for what you're doing and seeing mm-hmm. like, okay, we're doing coffee not just to tell people, hey, come try this coffee, mm-hmm. but we're doing coffee with the with the reasoning in mind that oh, this is for you to reclaim and then use as a resource to achieve your purpose in your life, mm-hmm. right? So like, this has a utility for you that we have which identified. Is, it's like,
2: so funny. I think I think it's such a needed. That's such a needed um, um, ideology for people to claim or to, to really commit to, to, to understanding is that, and I'm, let, me, let me get my thoughts together. In thinking about the way that I've talked to other people about coffee black, because they're even, I've had conversations with white people who are just like, what is coffee black? Is it just for Black people? Is this, you know, there's so many questions about, you know, like, can I be a part of this if I'm not Black? Which has been a huge question. Uh, And the question, the answer is always yes. Um, One, because we will always take your money. Uh, (laughs) Your money does not have to be Black, it has to be green or digital. Um, But no, I think it's this idea of people understanding inherently who they are yeah and that yeah overall people don't like i've had conversations with white people and it's kind of a weird conversation to explain to them yeah. like you know we're we're, t- we're reclaiming our heritage as black people like coffee is black um and in that you can find things in your heritage that you can actually claim that's actually yours doesn't include lands (laughs) actual foods and cultures if you get the drift and so i've honestly had and i the funny thing is i've had a, a, a i mean he's probably like 42 42 year old white man with two kids tell me no one has ever told me to To basically claim my heritage, right? Like he's like nobody ever gave me permission to do that, which is sad. Yeah. You know, that's sad that you don't get to experience that. But I think in, in in what we're building is is a new norm, and it can apply. Are we talking to white people in 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 you know specifically in that? No. Um, but, but it's
1: a principle that we. Want
2: but to it's a principle. It's a principle, and I think so many people are just wandering and just like I have no yeah. earthly clue, you know, I've no earthly clue what I'm doing, and I've never had permission. Nobody's ever told me. I just inherited, This stolen land. I inherited these stolen people. I inherit, you know, yeah. and never got a chance to. Ta- and I'm. This isn't me saying like, woe is white people, but I'm saying like, that's the issue we're facing right now is that we have a group. Right. Uh, we have. So many groups of people who never um who never understood your identity is not wrapped up in these positions that you have or these even this idea that you have of who you are is warped you know, and I think. In in having these conversations and in talking about Coffee Black, I've gotten so many opportunities to tell. I mean, it's been great talking to Black people about it because they're like, oh, man, that's all right. You know, because people know this is coffee's been a part. Their grandma drinks coffee every morning, most likely. (laughs) You know, everybody has somebody who who drinks coffee and it's so cool to see this is something I can claim in a world of things, especially as a black person that I'm being told was never mine or I don't deserve it or I need to just go back to wherever I came from because I'm in the way or I just you know I was never meant to be a part of this narrative it's so cool to be to hear something that this was actually meant to be a part of our narrative and like we're taking it back and we are treating it as so and we're moving forward with it like and there's no stopping it, you know. And I think if there were so many, I, I, well, and I think there are. I think it's, it's, growing now and seeing kind of like the waves across the world. But just like if there were more things that we could claim, um, that we would reclaim that were originally ours, and not in this like, not in this, uh, gollum like <laughs> obsessed, you know, obsessive, um. Uh, almost you know almost like to your own detriment but in this way that builds up a hope that was lost in a people i mean from the existence of a country you know to start rebuilding that and be unapologetic about it um i mean i think i think it's unnecessary it's a necessary conversation
0: yeah i think i think this goes back a lot to what um kind of one of the foundational stories that you told about asking questions and how vulnerable it is to actually ask a question um but it just it it, but it but at the same time to ask a question and also almost admits to like i don't know this thing that's happening around me let me question what's happening around me and say like hey why is this this way why is that that way um I also wrote that down just because it touched me really deeply as a person who interviews people. I'm like, Oh, that's why I like asking questions Um, because I like that, that process. But it also just kind of speaks to this idea of like centering yourself in your own space, and maybe I'm getting a little bit weird, but like, like you, like we were talking about earlier, people open up coffee shops with no intention, and it's because they don't know how to ask questions about the, about the world around them because they've never really had to. Come
1: on, now you better mm-hmm. preach. <laughs> <Come on. laughs>
0: I mean, I'm I'm learning this from you, so <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: That's the great way to like explain a, that because people. Okay, so white people ask me all the time, "Yo, how can we like how can specially this is probably my least favorite interviewer question." because it censors whiteness and because it's just like, I think it's the opposite of what they intend when they're trying, because it's trying to be a very humble question, but it Mm -hmm. comes across extremely arrogant. Um, How can can specialty coffee be more welcoming for black people? Or how can specialty coffee, how can we get more black people in specialty? Like some iteration of that question. Mm -hmm. I hate
2: that question. Mm -hmm. The reason
1: why I hate that question is because that question assumes that
2: that, that black people are not i part Yeah,
1: and, and even yeah. worse, it assumes that, that, that black people need specialty coffee. To be, yeah, yeah. 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 The, you need black people. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you, obviously you went over there and stole something from them. So you must need, like, it's like
2: you know what I mean? It's like. What? I mean, we see it in the commercials, right? So they'll be selling something as dumb as, like, deodorant, and yeah. there's a hip hop beat in the background. Yeah. yeah. Sprite commercials. LeBron James is on a Sprite commercial. Like, you need black yes. your Your product does not work without the products of black people. Or
1: without black neighborhoods. To without literally
2: the culture of black people. Yes. Like, the whole yes. livelihood of a black person, your product, your, your livelihood depends on it. And it has since the beginning. Right. And right. so for you to say... Hey, we're doing fine over here because we obviously created this entire system. Yes, on we're our own backs. are doing fine over here
1: with your whole culture,
2: <laughs> right? On our own backs, and we play our own music in our coffee shops, yes. and you know, it's it's yeah, it's really we we have graffiti walls that reflect <laughs> European culture. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like yo. If I think the the, the a much better stance is saying like yo, how can we be in community with people? How can we be in honest and, and authentic community with people who we've already, like, disrespected and stolen from? Like, I think that's the yeah. question. Like, people go into Black neighborhoods already. They just don't ask questions when they show up. They just show up and take. Like, people use Black products already. They just don't ask questions when they do it. They just show up and take.
2: Well, you know in, what I in, mean? We were, it, that reminds me. We were in, my husband and I did a program. And there was a conversation at one point um about the same question about making it more welcoming um and it was the whole people of color thing, which I feel really weird about yeah um yeah, so um the conversation was just like, what are some things and there were there were very aesthetic um solutions to some of the questions that I was like, whatever." Um, but ultimately, um, my question to my question, and I don't want to say too too much, yeah. but my question was, um, where is where's your heart towards black people? We're not talking about colored people, sorry, people of color. <clears throat> uh, we're not talking about people of color. we're not talking about you know and, and while that is a conversation, your real question is, your real question is, why don't black people? work in this space. That's sure. your real question. Mm-hmm. And my real question to you person um is why don't you love black people? Yeah. Where is yeah. your heart towards black people? And and this person said that that question had never been been praised to them ever. Like it never been presented to them. And the issue with it is not that it's never been, I'm, I'm sure there are thousands and millions upon millions of people who that question has never been presented to, but when your, your main, um, the main population that you're serving is black and Brown people. And no one has ever said, Hey, before you start serving these black and Brown people, where's your heart towards serving these same black and Brown people Yeah, as the leader, as the creator or whatever um and the fact that that hadn't been a question and you haven't had conversations you hadn't previously had conversations with people of color before before you even got to this point you know and and that it it just presumes so much um to say that you know this we we it's almost like um an affirmative action conversation mm-hmm. an afterthought like a like a you know and yeah. not necessarily like It's almost like a a seat at the table versus, well, let me come to your table that you're already, that you're building. Right. Instead of you have to meet me at my table, just realize that other people already have supplies. Like there are so many people who Mm -hmm. have their own supplies. And you keep going over and taking their supplies. And you keep taking their (laughs) supplies. (laughs) Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Um. I... I I feel bad because I'm like, I have a hundred different things I want to talk about, but I also want this episode to be a like that is um, digestible because we could keep going for a while. But before we wrap up, um, is there anything that you want to talk about or you'd want people to know about the two of you?
1: Man, um, I I definitely feel like what I would say to people is like I think community is essential and I'm not sure like what type of community is essential for the work but specifically when you're doing the work of seeking to do like liberative work like liberation work I think community is essential prior to doing the work and that like realizing who we are supposed to be as a person and like realizing that in community with another human being i think is really essential because like if we are not experiencing liberation ourselves trying to then replicate that process on a community scale i think is and i think at the end of the day it's healing right like if you're not going through the process of healing i think it, it makes it really difficult to go then and teach other people how to liberate and heal themselves if you're not experiencing that connection and reconnectivity. Um, on a microcosm. And I think, like, we just live in a world where we do a lot of social media activism. Like, there's a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. tweeting about things and canceling people and hashtags. And I think there's very little work of actually rebuilding real communities. You know what I mean? Like, actually going about the process of restoring humanity's connection and destiny uh, within a localized space. Like, these five people what what is our common purpose and how can we achieve that together you know what i mean yeah well
0: i think yeah and you two really kind of embody that in a way just by talking about like how the foundation of your relationship works um it seems like there's like a lot of safety and a lot of liberation just in that and like this is the bond that we've established between the two of us and like look how much freedom that's kind of given
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and that's why community is important to to establish the work that you're already doing. I think to kind to kind of piggyback to what my husband was saying um, when he mentioned, "Hey, this might be the way we live." That wasn't new new news to me, and it wasn't going to be a new lifestyle to me. I was already, you know, I was already about that life, and so we weren't everything to each other. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people. Um, a lot of people depend on or they're waiting for that person to be their quote unquote completion i mean we we complement each other yeah um, and there are some ways that i have i have found healing in our relationship from here, yeah. from past relationships or from past wounds, but he he he's not the completion of me yeah. and I think a lot of people um miss that looking for that even in even in the work that they're doing and they, and and they miss it. And so either you miss the person or you miss the work. And I think something that we were even talking to one of our friends about the other day is like, in seeking that person or in that work that you're doing, do the work, be faithful to do the work. And and see who's doing the work with you, and that's that's who you that's who you Mm -hmm. partner with, and that can be a partner as just like a business partner, that can Mm -hmm. be a husband, that can be a a, just a partner, that can be a friend, that can be a a love interest. But it's some type of community. But it's a it's it's a community, and it didn't depend on just you. Like you already were doing work, you already had a community, and I think we both came into this work having having had prior exposure but also just like having a, a passion for that like mm-hmm. for for people and for um identity and heritage um and, and just knowing like your your value as a person we both mm-hmm. came in we already had that like that was that was that was basic you know it was just the bottom level and so and so yeah we um having that it made it a lot easier to just like transition into the work that we, that we've started to do now. Yeah. Not even started, and mm-hmm. we're continuing right now. Yeah. This is not, the yeah. we've done it for a while. Thanks.
0: Well, I, I hope people listen to this and I don't know, think about themselves, I guess I, that, that that's like a weird way to phrase it, but something that I feel that you both touched on is just like, you both, you both had this deep sense of self or at least a sense of self enough to like see yourself in the world, ask questions and kind of like root yourself in what was happening around you. And I think it's really easy to just kind of like move through the world without asking questions and not really know like who you are as a person, which feels like an attack on everybody listening. But um <laughs> yeah. but I think but I think listening to this made me made me feel like I need to re- like like it's so powerful to just like know yourself and start really simply and just like really think like, what am I about? Like, what am I, what am I working towards? And like, what, what world have I built around me and is it what I want? And just asking questions and being vulnerable is really powerful. So thank you for both being on the show and thank you for being so candid and honest. I, Love this conversation. I want to keep having it. We will probably keep talking after I stop recording. But <laughs> before we do that, um, is there anything you want to plug or promote or just anything that we should be watching out for?
1: Yeah, keep your eyes tuned. We have really missed, like when we talk about really doing the work, um, I think one of the things when we talk about this liberatory experience, like my wife has kind of like she's our breadwinner right now. So I've been since December really working on Coffee Black. Uh, since the school that we helped to start closed and so my wife has had to do that but she's actually in the process of like feeling like she wants to pursue her specific like graphic design and calligraphy again mm-hmm. um and so be on the lookout for brown girl lettering and, and more products more posts from her go follow her she's super dope um way smarter than me uh so <laughs> if you like anything i say it would be better coming from my wife's mouth <laughs> uh, and then we have a, um, we've really missed also being able to create around coffee and community, um, uh, and create community around coffee, um, in our specific communities. And so we're looking at launching, um, a virtual version of the brew up experiences that we've done. And I, if you follow us, you're probably familiar with that, but it's like mm-hmm. a community coffee cypher where we, uh, kind of build and explore culture and art together. And so those that's going to be launching. We're having our first uh, demo one with some friends from uh, Chicago in August. So keep your eyes peeled for that.
2: Tomorrow is our music video. Yes, our second. Is this our second? Yeah, our second. Our one second video that ourselves. we shot, and this one we have some new tech. And yep. so we were kind of nerding out. I was. I yes. really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, that'll be coming out. What time is that? Tomorrow, tomorrow at eleven a.m.